How we doing? And welcome back to another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts, Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. We're back again at the Premiership Experience offices here in Glasgow, who are our partners of the podcast. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and, abro- and abroad, providing unforgettable experiences for our young people. You can check them out on Twitter at Premiership Experience, or likewise, you can head on over to their website at www.premiershipexperience.co.uk where you can find out a lot more information on the services they provide. While I've still got your attention just now, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and the link on screen below where you can keep up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast. How was your weekend then, Lewis? Yeah, I was alright, plenty of Easter eggs done. Um, I just kind of relaxed, had my, my run on Saturday and... Uh, I just chilled out pretty much, still recovering from that. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were going to make it in today after your sore foot that you picked up, but it's good to have you here as well. Um, I'm looking forward to recording another episode of A Wee Bit of Everything, as Lewis said. And um, today we're welcoming Katie Anderson onto the podcast, which we're delighted about. Um, So how was your weekend, Katie? How was your Easter? Yeah, all good. Same, some Easter eggs, some exercise and a wee bit of sunshine, which, yeah. was, which was nice. Brilliant. You were doing 10k before you came in here, just showing us up. I, know, I did. <laughs> Not as fast as you guys. But, uh. <laughs> it's all about getting out though, isn't it? So um, thanks for coming on today to share your experience of uh, pupil voice-led initiatives within your school. Um, so what motivated you to go back and do your master's then? When... I don't know. I've just always um, been keen to learn more and um, and... I think just since I even became a teacher um, originally and uh, I, I continued to do postgrads and mm-hmm. and so on and move on to my masters I think once you've done one you mm-hmm. get a kind of taste of it and you realize I think the impact that it has on your learning and your practice in schools so it's just going from one thing to another and then um, I've just finished my, my headship recently as well so just kind of uh, I like to I like oh, to learn. What does it involve in your headship? Like, do you go through that process? Um, so you do a you do a um, an evaluation, a, a self evaluation, mm-hmm. um, and, and a three hundred and sixty where you ask um, your colleagues as well um, what your strengths and development needs are. Mm-hmm. You learn about kind of strategic leadership and um, and other different approaches to leadership. You learn about um, policy. Um, as well, and and then you do a school-based project as well, um, which you use the mm-hmm. kind of ideas or um, strategies of leadership which you've been kind of reading or learning about, and um, you implement a project which hopefully um, instigates change in, mm-hmm. in some sort of way within your school. Um, but yeah, really mm-hmm. good, good process. Fancy it, Liz? <laughs> Not yet. How many times? The shop floor for a while yet? I think. Uh, <laughs> me too. Um, so. Moving on then, I'm sure that's had positive impact on you know school culture with, um, within the schools you work in, relationships with young people and staff, and uh, hopefully improve, improving pupil outcomes as well. So, what is your kind of current role just now then? Uh, so I'm deputy head teacher at Knightswood Secondary. Um, this is my second um, deputy's post. I was deputy head in uh, Smithycroft Secondary in Glasgow prior to that, and then um, faculty head of health and wellbeing, so PE, home economics, in Drumchapel. Right, good, brilliant. So. Um, could you give um, us a certain need? Why why you think there's a need for people voice in our schools? Why do you think that is? Just think, um, you know, all young people um, deserve the same opportunities regardless of their background, mm-hmm. and um, and I think we we have to strive to meet the needs of all learners, and we can only do that by hearing um, their voices and and in in the process and. 
Um, you know, although that you know strategy is really important, um, a culture is really Im mm. important within a school. Um, I think there's a quote that says, um, "A culture eats strategy for breakfast," mm -hmm. um, just which just kind of emphasises the importance of creating that kind of optimal culture where, you know, um, it is a school for young people and the voices are heard and and we do meet their needs. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's just such a powerful tool for transformation mm -hmm. and listening to young people. Yeah, I think once they know they're being heard as well and mm -hmm. their experiences are being validated, then they're going to enjoy it more and hopefully learn more as well, won't they? Absolutely, it's it's kind of striking a balance. Um, you know, it's it's helping them to understand why certain decisions are made within a school context. Um, mm -hmm. You know, to enhance outcomes for learners, etc. But also. You know, it can be pupil voice on a kind of higher, kind of strategic level within schools, but it, you know, more importantly as well, it's um, or essentially it's about including young people within their learning process as mm -hmm. well, and and the importance of those learner mm -hmm. conversations and establishing young people's strengths and development needs, um, and also um, allowing them to influence um, pedagogy as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not all just about like like you say that is like mainly to enhance like their learning experience and their own learning but it's not just at that level pupil voice can be because that's where maybe my misconception of it was at the start it was always just classroom level but it can be whole school as well like saying in the way things are run in the school and maybe pupil council and things like that yep sometimes those things can and, and actually it can become a very dangerous um you know path to go down a with student council sometimes they become tokenistic uh -huh. and as soon as that becomes a tokenistic process mm. you can it completely loses its yeah. value and uh -huh. young people completely lose their trust in it but i think if you can grow it from the classroom level and um you know empowering young people within that learning process but also um include them within processes within your faculties or mm. within your departments um and then growing even wider um than that and uh yeah, there's lots of ways that you can go about mm -hmm. doing that. So do you think schools should be doing more of this then? Or have, in your experiences, it been a big part of the schools you've worked in? Yeah, um, I, I think also agendas, you know, like UNICEF's Rights Respecting Schools agenda is um, is a big part of that. Um, yeah. a, it probably raises the kind of, um, the role of a young person within change in a, in a mm. school um, and gives them the understanding. It, it is about as I say, listening to other voices, but also giving them an understanding of the reasons why certain decisions are made that maybe they don't necessarily mm. agree with as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's very powerful. Yeah, I kind of dived in actually with my first question and asked you why there was a need for it. I didn't really say that was what you were doing your master's project on. Would you maybe tell us and the listeners a wee bit about your kind of project then? On people voice. Um, so I did that. I did that quite a, a while ago. Um, just um, about pupil voice and it was basically the journey that I had went through as a faculty head um, and how it was a very transformational process. So when I was at faculty head of uh, Drumchapel, I think I probably went in there like quite naive, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, I love PE and I love health and wellbeing and um, my mum uh, trained as a home economics teacher um, even though she didn't practice it. So I had a real kind of mm -hmm. passion for all mm -hmm. that kind of area yeah. and, you know, I'm so excited mm -hmm. to do this. Um, and uh, and went into that role thinking that for some reason thought that you know everybody else would share my enthusiasm yeah. mm -hmm. for it straight away. 
I do remember in 2011 because that was the point that I was kind of doing this and I entered that job that um, when I, I first walked in it was core PE and it was third year core PE and there was a hundred young people coming down to the department and uh, you know I was getting out there ready yeah. to meet them for the you know the first time and, and they all came out and they stood outside the changing rooms and I says you know um, like guys in the go let's go and get changed you know told them what kind of changing rooms to go to and they were like don't have kit Mm-hmm. You know, so like ten mm-hmm. out of the hundred had kit, and the rest, the rest didn't. And I, and at the time, it's a big I shock think, to the system that. How, uh, yeah, big shock to the system. <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do here? So um, there was kind of that kind of a bit of a kind of punitive approach. I think maybe mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. had gone and gone before. You know, like a punishment exercise and yeah. the referral and. So punishment exercise and you know keeping a log of right. and where are we going to go with this? So we started to um, to walk with them, to mm. walk and talk. Mm. So I'd go out, you know, and I'd be having conversations with them, or the PE staff are with me having conversations with them. I think we've got the campus police officer involved as well, not in a punitive yeah. way, but in a kind mm-hmm. of relationships. Let's build positive relationships with them. Let's listen to why why is it. Um, they're not bringing their kit. What, mm. what are their feelings about it? What can I change? What is it? The curriculum? Is it the changing? Is it um, their feelings about sport? Is it you know what is it? And the more you listened and you built relationships with them, the more that number of ninety kept falling yeah. down and falling down and falling down. So I had most of my PE staff out walking and talking mm-hmm. with these young people at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. By the end of the year, I had most of my PE staff taking lessons i still had that core group yeah. that weren't bringing kit that we'd probably lost by that stage because it'd been so third long year as well. yeah um but the same i mean that that third year was just an example mm-hmm. the fourth year group were exactly the same mm-hmm. potentially worse um and and then we were trying and there was a group of the second years a smaller group of the second years the first years we were trying to harness straight mm-hmm. away with yeah. them you know let's just keep momentum going mm-hmm. with them and the more, as I say, that you talk to them, that you build relationships with them. And so like pupil voice could be like formal. So, you know, chucking these guys a survey wasn't going to work at that point mm-hmm. either. They needed to get to know us and why mm-hmm. we, right. why, why we needed to move forwards in terms of their health and wellbeing and PE delivery and what the, what the benefits to them would have been. And, um, yeah, pupil voice and relationships were at the heart of that transformation. Um, you know, and four years down the line, when when things moved on, I think I left and and so on. Um, we were in a very different position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very forward-thinking way, though, um, a people-voice approach. Because I think some teachers might struggle with the kind of courage and bravery side of it to listen to their needs and respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's a, a very forward-thinking approach because or do, do you not feel as if you, you always. Once you take their opinions, can you always act on them, or, or do you make it like a two-way street where they, you need, they need to do stuff for you as well, like bring your kit, for example, and then we can provide this curriculum for you? There is a two-way street, but I think it's it's less of a kind of um, negotiation like that. It's more of a, um, you know, I need to understand why you feel the way you do, and they need to understand why we need to do what we do mm-hmm. and the benefits that mm-hmm. we'll have. Yep. For them, not like well, you it's know, like I'll do this. Understanding, isn't it? For it, it is. It's about a mutual respect yeah. of of kind of why you're why you're doing something and and why they're acting or responding in a certain way as well. So, um, yeah, just a, 
seriously powerful process but then in the mix of that like I kind of refer to that journey that four and a half year journey at Drum Chapel like mm. a firework display it, it was they just that because actually once you had the relationships and once you had the pupil voice you had to throw you know pace and challenge and curriculum yeah. you know into mm -hmm. the mix we needed to raise aspirations we needed to provide um inspiring a uh, you know opportunities like going to the olympics and going mm -hmm. to the comic games we needed to um give them opportunities extracurricular wise we needed to put drum chapel on the map for you know for being excellent at, at so many things it was about building confidence yeah. as well and then and also bringing you know the qualifications and and and, and so on you know people were th thriving on achieving you know mm -hmm. but it was about all of those things and personalization be and choice being key to it as well and you know like it's about looking out to the community not only listening to like any kind of development in a school or you know strategic development anything like that is about not just listening to young people but it's listening to all stakeholders and everybody within that school community as well mm -hmm. because there was so many so many good things going on in drum chapel's community as well and mm -hmm. um, in particular in relation to sport and physical activity um, at the time that we had to harness as well to try mm -hmm. and move things forward i think that's an important point as well about saying that yeah, you had to like add the pace of challenge the curriculum and all that, but that only comes from getting those first bits right, like taking the time to actually spend and listen to the pupils and hearing where they're coming from and why they're not bringing their kit and why they're not engaged in it. So it's, I think, actually making a conscious effort to take the time to build that up first yep. to get the other things right. And it's not it's not just like a one-time process yeah. either. You know, it, it kind of sounds like I'd, I had those conversations. That, that was an ongoing yeah, process throughout. Time. and. And I think the thing about pupil voices as well, it's about you've got to be brave sometimes and it, it does feel like a bit of a risk mm -hmm. okay. um, because you've got to you've got to be ready for what they're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And at the time when I when I first went in in 2011, I could listen to what they were telling me because I, with ease, I, I suppose, in a way, because, you know, I hadn't been involved in what went before, mm -hmm. whereas you know, two years down the line, you know, where it was maybe happening, you know, like we were maybe getting kids tailing off again or whatever, and, or at any point, you've got to be willing to hear what they've got to say. Yeah. And, and the young people in Drum Chapel were so good at telling you honestly what mm -hmm. they thought, which I loved as well. Yeah. Right, okay. And then Katie, how have you, you kind of spoke a little bit about it there, but how have you transferred the principles of pupil voice into uh, practice in your school? Could you maybe pick one or two examples um, of good practice within your current school or previous schools? Yeah, I think just um, to go probably just as still remaining a, a classroom a classroom teacher, I'm just finished doing um, some learner conversations with my National 5 class and again the powerful kind of process that was particularly during this really tumultuous period for young people and for staff I think um, in terms of young people's progress we had the opportunity to have some young people in school and have learner conversations with them about where did they feel these, you know, you could review their work with them, where did they feel they st still needed to work on no after they had the knowledge of where they were mm. at um, what could we do to help them? What do they need to do to help themselves? Um, so, um, and and also some feedback on uh, the the digital kind of learning mm -hmm. process and the online learning process that we've been through as well. So, um, you know that kind of for a start the the journey that I've just talked about at, at Drum Chapel and 
empowering young people and letting them be the driving force for transformational change, I think, was absolutely crucial. And, and I think once you start that process within a school, it, you know, it can transfer into um, other areas and become powerful within, um, you know, school culture. Um, I think at Smithycroft, my most memorable one, we, there was a student council um, at Smithycroft and um, we were on a rights respecting um, journey as well there um, too, which was really good and really interesting. It was taking a student council to a different angle, a different level. We reviewed the vision, values and aims and it was allowing, and although you know it, it was a longer kind of process because you had to involve young people within all aspects of mm -hmm. the planning process so i couldn't just go and say oh, we're going to go and do this but the kids will deliver it you know the kids had decide had to decide how we were going to consult all stakeholders mm -hmm. on what um the school vision values names would look look like and they um, then evaluated all the information that came back in they collated it in their own ways so it was like sticky dots and you know colorful kind so of collages the student council yeah all six all the way down um, yeah, so there was seniors? two from each, two, um, from each group. Two, two from each class. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Get a mixture of experience through the school as well, didn't it that way? Totally. Rather than just being prefects or mm -hmm. seniors. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yes, yeah, so two from each class. And so they had to initially understand from my point of view and from the school's point of view and the senior leadership team's point of view why we were going to do the process. And, um, and then they did a lot of research as well into... Um, what other school vision values and aims look like um, and they did a lot of research into like companies as well vision values and aims as well so as they had an idea of what with the structure i suppose kind of mm -hmm. looked like initially and they shared that together with each other and then you know collectively and um, we created a process where they consulted all stakeholders so parents mm -hmm. um parents staff other young people um on what what that should look like and you know having a strap line and um and also having a um a, a diagram that went with it and and so on so that was a really interesting process and i think the important part about that was always feeding back results at each stage so as people knew mm. where the process was at mm. involving people all young people and all stakeholders in the process throughout so that was that was a really interesting one we're kind of like at an embryonic stage and a in Knightswood, we've got a, a range of kind of strategy groups which are operating. One is the rights respecting. We've got family learning. We've got a learning teaching strategy group. Um, we've got a health and wellbeing one, which is just being established just now as well. Is this um, just for staff or is there students on it as well? So, um, and a digital um, learning one as well. Uh, so, this their staff strategy groups mm -hmm. currently. But as part of the rights respecting process, and rights respecting is the first kind of one to be doing it, um, we've, uh, we've got young people who will be joining those subgroups. Right. So, you know, I think pupil voice is essential, but you've got to take your staff with you as mm -hmm. well. So staff need to mm -hmm. have an understanding of whether it is it's coming from policy or whether it comes from... Um, it's coming from the, the whole school improvement plan and um, why we're going on a journey down family learning, say, initially, you know, we need to look at, you know, the literature that surrounds it, the advice, the policy that surrounds it as well, um, the good practice, looking outwards as well, um, and, and then giving staff that understanding to be able to lead 
to a certain extent mm. or to support young people to carry that that journey forward as well and um, so a uh, yeah we've just finished doing that process with the rights respected schools um a pupil group we've given them an introduction into um what rights respected schools is how powerful that will be within um, the school and they're now joining subgroups to try and influence the direction that those kind mm -hmm. of areas go in I think you made a good point there about taking staff with you as well because in my experience this might be quite controversial but from speaking to other teachers some some might say that it's, it's gone too far pupil voice so what would you say back to someone who thinks who thinks that like you, you, you can take you can't just take everything that they say and act on it uh, because i've heard people saying that you know we're the professionals and we're the teachers so we're in charge um and they don't get to always have their say what would you say back to someone who says that I think we've all got different, um, I, I think I believe in a, a school that has, um, you know, mutual respect mm -hmm. and I think um, we all uh, we all have different roles in a school and teachers come in with a knowledge and an experience and an expertise in something and mm -hmm. they need to be able to fulfil their role. Mm -hmm. um, but as part of that, you know, young people, we're, we're delivering for young people. We need to listen to their voices as well. And, and we need to have that respect for what their role is, young people's role is as well, that they need to be a part of the learning process. They need to be yep. a part of improvement processes. They need to be a part of the raising attainment process because they are absolutely central to the whole mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, but, um, you know, you never take that away from staff or, or anybody else who has a certain expertise within their school. But I think everybody has different roles, but I think everybody is equally as valuable. Mm, and everyone has to feel listened to as well. Don't yeah, they? absolutely. Like what you said earlier, but it's like striking a balance, like so that you get it all right without taking it too far one way or, yeah. mm -hmm. or another way. And, and sometimes as well on those kind of journeys, particularly with rights respecting or, you know, you sometimes do, you know, young people might, not fully understand it's important that they do understand the process before you kind of start it and that you launch it in the right way you know otherwise you have young people you know maybe who get the wrong impression of it um, mm -hmm. but it, it, that they can then say you know it's my right to do this or it's my right to do that and, and in a lot of cases it is but it's about going about those things yeah. in the right ways mm -hmm. and um, it really is a skill for for life as mm -hmm. well as, as as everything else. Um, so, what is the rights respecting school journey? Then, how do you apply for that as a school? Is it different levels you work through? Yeah, so it's um, it's bronze, silver, and gold, and um, it's linked to UNICEF. You apply through them, and um, basically, um, you're raising awareness of um, the UNCRC global citizenship, um, children's rights. Um, and also the the role of UNICEF mm. um, th throughout the process and kind of to different degrees and you go through kind of like a whole school at bronze level you go through like a whole school kind of analysis of mm -hmm. um, of, of where you're at like you survey all stakeholders mm -hmm. again as to where we are on the rights respecting kind of journey and then you again find your you know areas of strength within the school and areas for development you create an action plan out of that mm -hmm. And then you create a sub, you know, some groups um, with all those stakeholders within it, um, who who then drive to try and meet the kind of criteria of the areas for development. Right. Okay. Um, 
and bronze is a lot about that kind of evaluation within the school and setting those targets. Silver is about um, cascading the message about those four points, UNCRC, UNICEF, global citizenship, children's rights um, across the school and, and raising awareness and um, increasing knowledge and getting that consistent knowledge mm -hmm. and also that consistent understanding that children's rights are inherent, you know, they're not earned. Mm -hmm. And then at a gold level, it's where, you know, actually I think you feel it as part of the ethos mm -hmm. of um, of a school and um, it's very visible, but it's also just like kind of invisible within classes. It's just something that's mm -hmm. felt. Is that something that, the, that Glasgow's trying to strive towards, like for all schools or is all schools in Glasgow following that same kind of approach? Not, not all do, um, but um, many of them, mm -hmm. many of them have, that's yeah. Fine towards it. Brilliant. Yeah. Well then, uh, next question then for you, Katie. As a school leader, what ways have you increased pupil agency in your school by collaboratively working with others? For example, parents and um, other agencies. Yeah. I think um, I learned a lot about, through the, the, the headship course, I, I learned a lot about kind of strategic um, leadership mm -hmm. and um, that there's a very kind of clear process that you can go through um, to to you know, use a strategic leadership process to enhance kind of school improvement or whatever. So, um, you know, at the moment, as I say, I'm working uh, with learning, learning teaching as part of my remit, rights respecting schools, um, health and wellbeing, staff development, um, family learning, etc. cetera. Uh, and each one of them have kind of followed the same kind of key steps. And, and one of the initial steps, well, is, um, consulting all stakeholders so again you know any sort of improvement whether it's um you know within your faculty or your department or whether it is um within a like a whole school mm -hmm. kind of environment has to take everybody with them young people staff parents and carers partners if they are involved as well and um, consulting them raises awareness and then it identifies your kind of strengths and development needs um, in the first instance. Um, and then, you know, gathering a group of people who either have an interest or expertise, whether that's young people or um, staff or partners, anybody mm. within a group to drive the process forward where you're looking outwards to the good practice that exists. You're looking outwards at literature or policy, which exists as well. And... Um, and then you're using all that information, the consultation data and all of the policy literature data as well to then, um, you know, drive a process forward um, of change in, in relation to that. So just you really can't drive something forward, you know, being isolated mm -hmm. from all those things. You have to, in order to take something forward, whether it's in your department or your, or your faculty or, or whole school, you have to take all those people with you through that process. Yeah. It's a collective effort, isn't it? Trying to get the buy-in and stuff like that as well, with whatever it is that you're trying to yeah. I think with the data gathering as well, sometimes with the podcast, we do evaluations after the webinars. I think sometimes you need to be careful of what you're gathering data on and really making sure your questions are what you want to know about. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can just data gather for the sake of it and you don't really know what you're going to do with it and you have all this, you have all this data and you don't know. Yeah. It's be specific, isn't yeah. it? Like, sp specific with your questioning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, just yeah. using using all of that to yeah. to drive change to yeah. drive change, um, and I think as well the more so you know like the more people or expertise or passion that you have within those kind of strategy groups, including all those stakeholders and young people within it as well, 
the more widely it's spoken about and it becomes part of culture because you can do the odd you know you know the, the newsletter which updates all mm -hmm. your stakeholders on um on the progress say with family learning or health and well-being mm -hmm. or whatever it is um but a uh, but intermittently does that really work if you if you've got though that collective group of people that have that passion then they will continue to go and have informal conversations on a more regular basis and then it infuses into the school culture and becomes a thing which is kind of common discussion mm -hmm. and common practice mm -hmm. i suppose yeah. within your school as well yeah so if you, i suppose that's another part of the, the puzzle then parent voice as well is that a big part of your role as well just now um it, it is a our head teachers really good in including the parents, um, you know, and, and consulting them through uh, all of the kind of processes. I mean, probably most recently, all the kind of digital online mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. learning as well. Um, but yeah, really important to yeah. take on board or listen to what they're saying, but also I suppose to listen to their, hear what they're saying, um, because maybe if they've got a different perspective of what you're doing or why you're doing it, we can kind of just put the message out there about the reasons, the actual mm -hmm. reasons of, of why we're going about something. So, yeah. um, Just to kind of broaden understanding between all, all stakeholders. Yeah. Is that a big part of the family learning then? Yeah. Um, so family learning um, has been a really interesting journey for us because um, I mean, ideally, we would have liked to have this, by this stage had lots of families in school doing family mm -hmm. learning together yeah. um, or giving uh, opportunities for qualifications for parents, etc. But with lockdown, etc., that's been trickier than mm -hmm. um, than what mm -hmm. we'd imagined, yeah. I think, or envisaged uh, by this stage. But our wonderful family learning officer, um, Veronica, and the family learning um, group have done a great job of still engaging families online. Uh, one of the most popular being a kind of click and collect cookery um, sessions as well. The home economic staff have been amazing um, at working with Veronica on that. But um, Veronica and, and Fair, the, um, the the charity that we employ our youth workers and family learning workers uh, through, um, have been amazing at sourcing funding to support our families during lockdown as well. So during the first lockdown, we had... Um, as you came in, Clark. Mm -hmm, yeah, um, yeah uh, we had staff, amazing teaching staff coming in and, and volunteering, as well as doing their online learning, volunteering um, to support um, the packing of food parcels, etc., mm -hmm. with the support of FAIR, um, with the kind of produce and stuff. And Veronica, you know, um, and our FAIR team um, kind of leading that process. But she she knows our families so well mm -hmm. and um, that uh, she she knows the kind of level of need within our communities. So it wasn't just providing food, it was providing at some point uh, furniture and, and other items that um, that uh, that families have needed throughout this mm -hmm. kind of process yeah. as well. But so family learning's kind of taken a, a windy kind of turn. We will get there with it. But I think, again, a major part of that family learning is building relationships yeah. and you know, she's really consolidated that process yeah. um, for us and we're ready and in, in a place where we've got those links with families now when it's time and we can manage to do it, we can offer those qualifications for parents mm -hmm. and, and so on. It was about linking, we, we just originally started a project with the primary schools as well because if we can do that early inter intervention, get yeah. to know those parents before they come up, um, then um, then that's that's a really good process mm -hmm. as well. So um, that was again with Debbie and, and Home Economics and, and Veronica um, leading cookery sessions. And uh, young people being a part of that as well. So the, fam the family learning thing is just, is it just targeted 
families that will come in and learn th all the subjects or is it just... So um, the family learning we did in the primary schools was um, targeted, uh, mm. the, the, we allowed the primary school to select families that we thought might um, benefit from that kind of additional relationship, I suppose, before the P6 or 7 pupils came up to the secondary school. So kind of support and transition there. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and and unfortunately that got cut short mm -hmm. um, because of, of lockdown, etc. Then the family learning that we were doing um, digitally was open to everybody, mm -hmm. um, as is the, the click and collect um, cookery stuff as well. And we do hope, we will do some targeted work, um, but we do hope that it will be open to everybody once we kind of open fully. Brilliant. Next one. Um, so finally then, Katie, what do you believe makes a, a high quality teacher? This is a question we ask most of our guests, don't mm -hmm. we? Um, so we're interested to get your opinion on what you think makes a high quality teacher for anyone who's listening in. Um, if you can keep it short. I know, I'm sure there's loads of things you're thinking about. <laughs> well, I, try, I had a wee think about it before I mm -hmm. came, but um, I, I think positive relationships you know, are definitely at the heart of it caring about young people and wanting to make a positive difference in their current and future lives passion and knowledge you've got to have knowledge because you've got to fulfill that role yeah. that you've got and dedicated to reflection and continual pre uh, professional development as well like mm -hmm. um sometimes it hurts at the time doing these postgrads or additional uni courses yeah. or whatever with a busy life that kind of goes on but you definitely reap the benefits of it and mm. it's just at one point later not necessarily at the moment where you've handed the assignment in or yeah. even during the assignment process or whatever it is you know you're learning or doing but the penny drops at some point mm. you're like whoa i actually took that from the yeah. learning experience i've just had so making time for that yeah. reflection and being brave enough to i suppose to reflect you know honestly with yourself and uh, and and always try to improve mm -hmm. i suppose I think that's sometimes the hardest thing for people to do, isn't it? Is reflecting honestly and maybe if they've had a bad lesson or they've got a class that they're really struggling with and having that honest self-reflection about why things aren't going so well. And yep. you know, I think that um, sums it up really oh, nicely for... Also as well, like having an honest conversation with ourselves when the podcast doesn't go well. It was <laughs> a bad episodes, but right. hopefully the continued professional development that Katie says yeah. um, will be the reason they're listening in just now, whoever's listening watching it. And that's mm. part of our plan as well is to kind of provide CPD opportunities um, for teachers and um, anyone else who wants to listen in. So thanks for coming on. I've really enjoyed listening to your passion and the energy you've got for enhancing learning experiences for young people uh, in your school and your previous school. So thanks for that. That's the main section of the... You're not finished yet, but you know. <laughs> we've got, uh, with every episode, we've got a wee quick fire round of three questions. So it's just three quick questions um, and just looking for three quick off-the-cuff answers. All right. You ready? Yep. Cool. First one, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere or in your hometown, what would it say on it? So this isn't necessarily off the cuff, but right. this is a quote that I have in my house. Cool. And I love it. Mm -hmm. And I try to live by it. Right. Uh, live with intention, walk to the edge, listen hard, practice wellness, play with abandon, laugh, choose with no regret, continue to learn, appreciate your friends, do what you love, live as if this is all there is. Brilliant. Brilliant, absolutely love that. Not my quote, it's somebody else's. Yeah, no, it's love great. It. So if you put it on your home, is it Lara at your hometown? Uh, it's in Glasgow. Yeah. Well, let's make see it when you're driving home one day if, it's <laughs> if it was in Lanark. <laughs> <laughs> right, number two then. Which people or books have had the greatest influence on your life? Uh, people, um, my parents, um, you know, 
if they hadn't found me, I wouldn't mm -hmm. have had these opportunities um, in life. But also just seriously fortunate to have worked with, uh, in, in you know, the last kind of 10 years uh, or so, some amazing leaders, um, you know, Maura, my current head teacher, Jean, my previous one, uh, Robert, Donna, um, Ricky, my first PT as well, and mm -hmm. um, I also work, uh, I'm on the board of Sports Scotland, work with um, Mel Young there, and he's just totally inspirational in a, mm -hmm. in a different way as well, um, so very lucky to have... Surrounding yourself with good people? Yeah, I think, lucky mm -hmm. to have yeah. been around them. Right. So in terms of the Sports Scotland stuff as well, is that a big part of your role as a faculty head, like to provide pathways for, for, for students to continue their sports outside school? Did you do a lot of work with Sports Scotland and other sports so they can continue their uh, sport outside school? Yeah, so um, Sports Scotland obviously provide um, active schools uh -huh. coordinators and, and they're a key part of, of driving that um, in the primaries and in the secondaries. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was a massive part of keeping the momentum going at, at Drumchapel when I was in that faculty heads mm -hmm. um, role was linking with those uh, partners like Active Schools and um, and uh, linking with them to to find the kind of the golden nuggets in the yeah. community of of areas of expertise um, that then, as you say, keeps the momentum or the pathways going for yeah. young people throughout school and and after. Yeah, yeah. totally. So they've got a progression. Mm. Final one then. What advice would you give to a student teacher who's looking to embed more pupil voice within their classroom? Okay, uh, be creative, mm -hmm. seek advice, be brave, and value what you hear and respond. The worst thing you could do is to take information from young people and then never respond Not to action it. on it. It's a good yeah. way to finish. Now, I think that um, rounds it up nicely for that episode of the podcast. So, we'd just like to thank you for giving up your time to, this morning to come in and do this with us. We really appreciate it. Okay, thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you.